So the best sports team that I was ever on, as, as you know, we are talking about teams, and I've played on a few, but the best sports team that I personally have ever been on was the eighth grade Reed Middle School football team. Uh, we were city champs, okay? We were city champs that year when I was in eighth grade. We won seven games. We tied one, let uh, you did back in the day. And, and we were, as far as eighth grade football goes, we were really good, like really, really pretty good. The thing that, that made our team so good and unique was that, for one, we were diverse, okay? Reed has kind of a weird district, and so you get, like, guys that are out from the country, and you get a lot of inner city, and you get a uh, different mixture of, of races and nationalities, and, and so we had, you know, black kids and, and had uh, one Middle Eastern kid, that was me, um, a couple uh, white country folk, um, some that were uh, seen even as, we had some that like had money, which was really r weird for Reed, but just our district was so, it was just, just enough that we caught a couple, so we had like a really different diverse group of kids that, that came from just completely different places. We were small in number, we had 18 kids filled out our whole team, 18 kids, so for those of you that don't know, like for instance, most NFL rosters, they have 53 spots. 53 spots to fill out every role on the team. We had 18 kids. So every one of us played at least two ways. Some of us had different positions on kickoff and uh, kick teams and different things. But we were all filling these different roles, roles that we didn't necessarily um, want to fill or not necessarily fit us best. But we had to because we only had 18 kids. And so when we saw a, a need that was filled and they put us in that position, we took pride in that and we worked hard. And we worked hard for each other. We were all bought into the same mission. We were all bought into the same focus. And it didn't matter what made us different. It mattered what made us the same. We had that same focus. We wanted to win. And that was an extremely special time in my life that I still remember vividly to this day because of what it was. We had this us-against-the-world mentality. And some of these characteristics, the diversity, the, willing to, uh, the willingness to fight for one another, the willingness to, to fill positions and roles uh, that need to be filled regardless of whether or not we feel like this is perfect for us. They're all characteristics of being on a solid team. We're going to continue in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 this week. We'll take, uh, take off right where we left off last week. We're going to start in verse 12, and we'll do something a little different. Usually I read the whole passage and we go through it. I'm going to read chunk by chunk, and then we'll address it. But verse 12 in chapter 12 through 14 says just as a body though one has many parts but all its many parts form one body so it is with christ for we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body whether jews or gentiles slave or free and we were all given the one spirit to drink even so the body is not made up of one part but of many successful teams are made up of different parts and successful teams are all-inclusive. Successful teams are all-inclusive. We need different outlooks. We need different personalities. We need different points of view. We need different backgrounds. We need different skills. In order for our team to be as successful and as positive and do as much for our community and for the people that are part of the team as possible, we need diversity. It's a must. Successful teams, we don't reject differences when we see them, right? We figure out how can we use these differences to further the success of the team. And so when we think about, oh, this person is different than me, they're not like me, they're, they're, 
they don't think like I do. A lot of times our, our reaction is to, well, that person maybe isn't for me. Rather than to say, how can I be improved by that person? How can our team be bettered by that person? Which is what we absolutely positively need to do. We were talking in a leadership meeting a couple of weeks ago about forming the pastor search committee. And Jake made this joke, and it, I mean, it was a joke, but not a joke, how we don't need like a bunch of middle-aged white guys making all the decisions around here, right? Because if you have a singular point of view and a kind of singular focus, then your, your outcomes are limited. If everybody thinks the same, then you're not going to get much as in the way of difference. Probably end up with a middle-aged white guy. Right, as far as diversity goes, so we talked about how, well, we need to make sure that we get some women on this team, definitely, and, you know, they happen to be smarter than us. We, most of us, I think, agree with that opinion, and we need some, you know, people who are older on this team. We need wisdom, and we need a different point of view, a different perspective, and if we had different ethnicities here, we would definitely go for that as well, but really our options are Phil and myself, and so uh, I think they got Phil, though, which, check that box, so th things are good. Now, the message here isn't that, like, there's something wrong with, with white people, okay? I just, I want to be clear about that. I happen to love white people. They make up uh, most of my life. Uh, white people are great. But as I said, if our focus is singular, if, if, if our background is singular, then our outcomes are limited as well. And we don't have as much depth in the decisions that we make. And the interesting thing that we see throughout Scripture is that Jesus called the body of believers to be diverse, he called them to expand their horizons. He called them not to shut people out based on their religion or based on their uh, geographic location or based on their color of their skin. He was saying, hey, there's one criteria. And that one, the one criteria is this. If they believe in me, then they are part of that team. If they believe in me, then they are part of that team. And so we need to be a team that has open arms that says, hey, if you're willing to be a part of this team, if you have the same beliefs that we do, then welcome. Let's make this place better. Let's make this thing better. When we look in the Bible, when we look at Peter's vision in, in Acts, uh, Acts 10, right? I brought this up recently in a sermon a couple, maybe a month ago. But in that vision, Peter was a guy, he was a Jew's Jew who really only associated with Jews and thought that he couldn't associate outside of that realm and and God brought this vision, and God basically told him, hey, don't call anything that I say is clean, unclean. And the next day, he was called to go to a, a Greek centurion's house, right, and share the gospel. Peter, being the rock on which Jesus built his church, opened the church to inclusion of a people group that, if it hadn't have been for God's wisdom and God's prodding and God's movement, he would have said, that's not for us. When we see different opinions and we see different outlooks, we have to be open and accepting of those to at least consider them. It doesn't mean that every dissenting opinion or every opposite opinion or every um, opposite uh, point of view we say, oh, we agree with that 100%, we're going to do it. But we have to at least be willing to say, I'll think about that. I'll think about that and how can I use that to better Crosspoint, how can I use that to better my family? How can I use that to better my workplace? How can I use that to better whichever team that I am on? Successful teams find what holds them together and they look past their differences. In Colossians 1, 16 and 17, it says, For in him all things were created 
things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through Him and for Him. He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. We have to find what holds us together. And for us, that thing is Jesus. For us, that thing is Jesus. What does Jesus want from us as individuals and collectively? And if we make that our mission, if we say that no matter what, I'm going to do what Jesus wants, my focus is going to be on what Jesus would have from us, then we'll find ourselves overcoming the various speed bumps and the various obstacles that get in our way. And we'll accomplish those things and we'll overcome those things as a team. Teams need to have a similar focus. For our team to be successful, we must accept our roles. Let's look at verses 15 through 20. It says, Now if the foot should say, Because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body. It would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. And if the ear should say, Because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body. It would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God had placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as He wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. Now this is a little bit of a repeat of last week, but there's no danger in reiterating the point here. Each one of us has a specific part in the body, right? So you may be an ear or an eyeball or a brain or uh, the heart or a lung or a femur, maybe a big toe, okay? Everybody's like, hey, as long as I'm not a butt. I knew I'd get at least one of you. Even if it was only one, then it would have been like a really funny situation where the one person was like, ha ah! and everybody would have looked at him and they would have been like, oh, I shouldn't have laughed at that, you know? So I was at least going for that, so... A little chuckle every now and then is not a bad thing. Right, but we all have a special place in the body. We, we, we need every body part to be full, correct? And so we have to be real with ourselves about what part we are, and that's kind of what Scripture is talking about. Somebody who is an eye says, well, I'm not the lung, and that's what I want to be, and so I'm not a part of the body. And sorry, it didn't work that way. It doesn't make you any less part of the body because you don't get to determine what part you are. God already did that for you. That's what the scripture tells us. We look back at diversity. If we're all the same thing, right? If we're all, for instance, a big toe, then we're just one gnarly, nasty toe that probably has bunions. And we can only serve big toes. And what happens to a part that is severed from the rest of the body? Eventually, it dies and withers away. So to sit here and think that, oh, we can only be this. We can be singular in our viewpoint. We can... We can have this single focus and we don't have to listen to other opinions and we don't have to kind of talk about really being the body, but we can just do the vision of the neck, for instance. And what's going to end up happening is that we will wither and we will die and we will cease to exist. Because none of us can cut ourselves off from the body. We look at verse 19. It says that if they were all one part, where would the body be? Where would the body be? Nowhere. That's where. Successful teams have team members who accept their roles 
and do them to the greatest of their ability so that other people can do their roles to the greatest of their ability. For instance, if Phil had to think about preaching the entire time that he was up here leading worship, worship would suffer. The preaching would probably suffer too. And then you have two things that are done not as well as they could be done. Right? And this can apply to any area of your life. I mean, you can apply it to work. I know all of you work jobs and you're like, man, I'd do this person's job. <laughs> like, time and time again, I'm doing that person's job. Right? And your job, the, the, the focus that you've been given, suffers because you have to focus on their role as well. And that's what happens when you're missing a leg or an arm or a brain is that other people, other parts, are having to try to fill that role. And the leg doesn't work as well because it's trying to be an arm. And so we have to be able to buy in, if not for ourselves, for others, to say, look, this job, this role that I have, I'm going to do it to the absolute best of my ability so that so-and-so doesn't have to worry about it. So that they can focus on their job and so that they can do things as well as they possibly can. That's what we need for the body to function to the best of its ability. Great teammates don't take their ball and go home when they don't get their way. Right? They don't say, well, because you're playing quarterback and I wanted to be quarterback and that's my football, I'm going home. Right? And we can apply that argument to everywhere else, like other places in church. Like, I went to a church who pretty much split up over an organ. Well, I wanted the organ and I donated the organ and if you're not going to use the organ, then I'm going to take it, and I'm going to go home, and I'm going to take all the people that agree with me. All right. Great team. Right, but we can't afford to have that outlook if we want to further the kingdom of God and if we want to be the best possible team that we can be. We have to stick to it. We have to stay in it. We have to say, maybe I want this, but this is where you have me, and so I'm going to do this as good as I can. Successful teams have members who say, I was given this role for a reason. They accept that, and they do their best to thrive in it. Successful teams also understand that no role is inferior. No role is inferior. From the pastor to the person that sweeps the floor, every role is equally needed, every role is equally desired. And every role has to be in place for the body of believers to work the best possible way that it can. For Crosspoint to be the biggest success that Crosspoint can be, we need people to fill the various roles and positions that we have open. We need you to find passion in that, to do it to the best of your ability and say that I'm going to make sure that this is not a worry for someone else because I've got it. Successful teams understand that we need each other and that we are in this together. We look at verses 21 through 24. It says, The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment, but God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it. 
I'm going to read 25 as well. It says, so there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. Okay, if one part suffers, we all suffer. The success of any team depends on whether or not the members of that team are bought in to the same focus. Right, so we have a mission as Crosspoint. We have a mission as Crosspoint. Our mission is this. We are here to serve. We are here to serve. That's our mission. And we need everybody bought into that mission so that we can fulfill it. We need people in the children's area. We need people behind the bar back there. We need people to greet people when they walk in the door. We need people up on stage. If there's an open role and you can feel it, we need you to do that. Successful teams say, look, because we need to do this, I will fill that role. I will fill that job. In his Hall of Fame speech, Coach Bill Parcells won a couple Super Bowls with some different teams in the NFL. He talked about what it takes to be accepted in an NFL locker room. And he also talked about how this really applies to any team that any person might be on. And this is what he said it takes. If a person come, came into the locker room and they were willing to help the team, if their focus was, I want to help this team do better, I want to help this team succeed, then they were accepted. Their background didn't matter, their race didn't matter, their opinions didn't matter, their political views didn't matter. All that mattered was, does that person want to help the team? And if they bought in and they sought to help the team, then they were accepted. And on the opposite hand, if, if they didn't have that desire, if they were inward focused and they just thought, how can I best serve myself, they were spread, spit out pretty quickly. On any team that we may find ourselves on, on any team that we may find ourselves on, that's really what it takes, is to step in and say, I'm willing to serve, I want to make this place better, I'm going to dive in with both feet. If you do that, you will find acceptance, you will find support, you will find love, you will find a brotherhood and a sisterhood. You will find that you become part of a team. But if you walk in and you're only inwardly focused and you think about how can this best serve me, then you're going to find yourself more often than not on the outside looking in. So we all have to decide going into things, how do I want to approach a situation? This willingness to step up and to step into roles when roles need to be filled, it comes from a place of love. Love is the foundation from which all teams are built. All successful teams are built, I should say. I work at a place in Springfield called Federal Protection, right? And in that, within Federal Protection, I work in a place called the Federal Response Center. Now, they're in charge of monitoring alarms and uh, dispatching police when anytime someone's in trouble or an alarm goes off or things like that, but we do lots of other roles as well. And within that office, we have a service team and we have a remote support team and we have a dispatcher team and a data entry team. And each one of us kind of overlaps into the other teams just a little bit, right? Because you kind of train your way up to get on these different teams. And if one of those teams is not doing their job to the fullness 
of their ability, then the other teams feel it. When we feel like, man, now I've got to do this on top of everything I have to do, and things just don't work as well. But I've been really blessed to work at that place because it has taught me a lot about teamwork because there is a genuine love in that room that individuals have for others. In which they say, I'm not always pleased with my job and I don't always enjoy it to the most uh, that I can, but I'm going to do it to the best of my ability because everybody else in this room is depending on me. And because I love them, I'm going to step up and I'm going to fill my role. I'm going to do my job I'm going to make sure that they don't have to worry about that. In John 15, 12, it states, My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Because ultimately, that's what God wants us to do, and that's how teams are the most successful. I find it very interesting in verse 25. It says in 26, There should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. And if one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. We succeed together, but we fail together too. How can you as an individual look at the body of believers, look at Crosspoint, look at whatever team that you're on in life and say, how can I make this thing better? How can I make this thing better? Because at the end of the day, all for one, we are the body. You look to your right, left, forward, back. This is the team that we have. Hopefully we add to that team and we don't lose team members. But at the end of the day, we are what each other has. And we need to fight for each other and we need to work for each other and we need to look at each other as brothers and sisters who succeed and fail with one another. Celebrate successes. Grieve with those that grieve. But above all else, love one another enough to do what it is that God has called you to do. Let's pray. God, we come to you right now. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for what you've done in our lives as individuals, God. We also thank you that we have a place to call home, that we get to be a body of believers. Lord, we thank you for Crosspoint. God, I pray that um, for each and every individual, you help us look not inwardly, but look outwardly, God, and, and see how, how can we serve others. God, give us the boldness and the willingness to do that. Convict us in our hearts, Lord, to, to be people who help, to be people who serve, to be people who say, I will do my job to the best of my ability because I love this team that I'm on. God, help us to be people who always seek your will. We ask all these things in your name. Amen. So we're going to finish out worship, and then at the end of the service, we're going to have a baptism today. The kids will be brought in, and I just ask that uh, you guys all stay for that um, and uh, part partake in that ceremony um, because it is a special thing, and it's a special day uh, for a person I care a lot about. So 
Stay for that at the end of service. We won't take too much of your time, and uh, let's worship. Otherwise, I will be back here to the left if you need to talk or pray or anything. I, I really do mean the word anything. Come talk to me. Let's talk about it. Let's pray about it. Let's see what we can do to help each other out and just know that uh, at the end of the day, my goal really is to be here to serve you and know that I love you. Let's worship.